0: Spiritual Coaching Podcast. We're teaching spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. Welcome. The goal of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast is to encourage and equip those whose God given mission is to provide spiritual direction to the Church of Jesus Christ. We're training warriors to fight for the human heart. Our spiritual coaching is driven by a singular belief that every wound in our heart that's left untouched by God will hinder how deeply we can know Him and how fully we can follow Him. Only healthy hearts are free to develop a relationship with God that outlasts the pressures of life and every unworthy claim for our loyalty and devotion.
1: Hello everyone, this is the Two Rivers Spiritual Coaching Podcast and we are training spiritual coaches, teaching them how to fight for and and guide uh, reluctant hearts into a full and a fearless devotion to God. In our episode today, uh, I'm going to take three bits of content that I had that didn't really fit anywhere else, so I pulled them together into this one episode, uh, and I'm going to cover them quickly as three problems to be avoided. Here we go. So today marks a small milestone for this podcast and our training. We are uh, wrapping up this first section. Uh, I have been focused on our philosophy of what spiritual maturity and spiritual coaching looks like. That all of our spiritual coaches share these views and use this philosophy to form their coaching is critical to offering that the same level of spiritual coaching across all of our locations. It's kind of how a restaurant franchise operates to ensure certain dishes or sandwiches taste the same in all of its locations. We want that kind of same feel across all of our locations for those who are coming for spiritual coaching. And I want to encourage all of my listeners there out there to go back and listen to all 16 episodes which includes today. Um, this is not to you know drive up the numbers of, of, of listens or listeners or anything like that, but because they are foundational to everything that follows. If, if you are listening to better equip yourself to do spiritual coaching, you will benefit from understanding the heart and belief and the vision that's behind the spiritual coaching that I do and that I train all my coaches to practice. Some of my coaches have told me that they're listening to some of the episodes repeatedly in order to get this philosophy down so that it's understood and repeatable. And I I hope that it is helping all of you. So far, I have covered um, eight philosophical aspects of spiritual maturity and eight foundational aspects of spiritual coaching. Uh, The first eight under spiritual maturity were as follows. Number one, a relationship with God is why is the why behind spiritual biblical spirituality and is the cornerstone for our foundation. So one, relationship with God is the why behind biblical spirituality and is the cornerstone of our foundation. Number two, victory over stubborn sin in this life is not just possible, but part of the reason for Jesus' sacrificial work. Number three, victory is expression, not suppression. It is a person, not a power, and it comes from a new heart, not a repaired one. Discipline is only, number four, for keeping victory, not gaining victory. And there's a difference between freedom and maturity. Number five, the three stages of spiritual dryness that everyone encounters are stuck, stagnant, and slipping away. Number six, four ways to keep dryness from leading to slipping away from God are exercise, health, coaching, and fight. Number seven, a growing faith trust God just a little bit for more things, bigger things, and God alone for anything. And number eight, spiritual progress continues through biblical community, biblical coaching, and, a vil, a, and vigilant heart care. That was some foundational ideas to spiritual maturity. Then there are eight foundational or philosophical parts to the spiritual coaching that we have gone over. Uh, the first is that we're at war. Spiritual life and spiritual coaching both require that we fight and not falter. Number two, uh, spiritual coaching about spiritual coaching, foundational truth is that Knowing God deeply and following him fully requires zeal, passion, fanaticism, even a loyal heart. Uh, Number three, I talked about the DNA of spiritual coaching, which includes counseling, mentoring, coaching, healing, teaching, admonition, and direction. Kind of all stewed together, if you will, um, as the situation demands. Number four, we talked about homework and how homework determines readiness and directs the coach away from the coach and to God for help and healing. Number five, Personal tragedy is an unexpected treasure if we let God use it to draw us to Him. Number six, truth and honesty is a must, but it must be gracious and loving, not wisely, unrushed, and unkindly obnoxious. Number seven, listening thoroughly to both the person's story and for God's direction must precede diagnosis and healing. And today's topic, avoiding the problems of pushing, making assumptions, and assuming Assuming motives. So let's dive into that first one. The problem of pushing. Time for a worn out proverb that is nonetheless true. Okay, here you go. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. Uh, Many spouses and parents and well-meaning friends think that they're doing someone a favor by pressing them to see a spiritual coach. They're They're almost always misguided in the effort. In reality, that sort of help, I'm using air quotes, may cause uh, more trouble than it fixes. Imagine this scenario. Someone that is struggling is forced or pressured to go talk to a professional about their problem. But because they're not ready or willing to do the work requisite for change, nothing good or lasting comes from it. Then either the next time someone presses them or when they finally are ready, they say to themselves and to those that are trying to help them, well, I've already gone to counseling and it didn't work. It didn't help. It was a waste of time and I'm not doing it again. See the problem. The reason I I did not, the reason it did not work is not because it will not work, but because they would not work. Okay. Initially, the reason it did not work is not because it will not work, but because they would not work. Do I need to say that again? The reason that coaching that they went to under duress because someone was forcing them and they were just trying to shut up this nagging person, okay? The reason it did not work is not because it will not work, but because they would not work. They never gave it a serious chance to help. Now, the very thing they need has been given a bad taste and they're understandably resistant to the idea the next time around. Forcing it is usually ill advised, if not a significant problem. This is why I tell our spiritual coaches not to allow someone else to make an appointment for another. If the person physically cannot do it for some reason, then okay, but we'll make sure that's really the case. But the reason for this, uh, The reason for allowing someone to make an appointment for someone else, they are few and far between. It's generally true that if they won't take the simple step required to make an appointment for themselves, they generally aren't ready for spiritual coaching. It's an often an indicator that someone other than the Holy Spirit is pushing them to it. In fact, these days, because I use texting, you can't even say that, you know, someone, one spouse was at work, so they asked the other spouse to call them during the day and get them appointment that doesn't even need to happen anymore because they simply can text it at any time of the day and therefore they don't need someone else to do it for them. Okay? Uh, the, it's often an indicator, you know, asking someone else to do it, um, that someone other than the Holy Spirit is pushing that person into the appointment. This does not mean we cannot be bold and directive when necessary In extreme occasions, for example, when... Encouraging someone to seek help who is headed for real trouble if they don't get that help. Um, So you can do that, but control and manipulation are a no-no. You know, there's another side to forcing it, and that's the coach's side. You must avoid it because the decision that you're pushing them to make may not be the best one. You almost never have all the information and never know for sure what God's timing and way is. Forced decisions usually lead to very little good, often for the same reason that I cited in the paragraph above. Remember that you're not the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy's tactic to scare and manipulate others into doing what we want or what he wants, just as it happened in Eden. Read Genesis chapter 3 1 and following. A dose of reality can be helpful, but we need to watch that we don't go too far and abuse our position. If I had time to unpack pack the manipulative ways, when we're, when we're unaware of the position we hold and its power to sway, um, if I could take the time to unpack all the ways that manipulates people, that we can get decisions that are really no decision at all, we'd be here all day. Law enforcement officials have to be careful to not force or manipulate a confession from people. I know that some will wince at this next comment, but I often end a session short of tackling an issue in prayer. You know, some say we should always plow ahead, but I think that can um, not be just unwise, but abusive, manipulative, and controlling. If you are not sure where a person stands on something, you feel they need to confess or otherwise process with God in prayer, make coming to that point of decision their homework and tell them to make another appointment When they have. That is the problem of pushing. Let's talk about the problem of assumptions. I'm going to make short work of this point, but that doesn't diminish its importance. Especially true when doing spiritual coaching, we want to be careful of making assumptions. The most frequent and critical one is the assumption that somebody has already transacted the eternal business necessary to be a follower of Jesus. This should never be assumed. Even if you know the person well, If you've never heard their faith story, don't assume one for them. You can obviously see the danger here. There are ways to bring the subject up if you think you know the answer or fear that someone will be offended by it. But few people who are true and serious disciples will be offended. Take the risk and ask. Find the best way to be polite and kind and leave the rest up to God. Also, don't assume that you know someone better than you do. Do not be so naive as to believe that what you see is all there is when it comes to human hearts or our potential to deceive, even ourselves. Whatever the issue or question, it's almost always better to buck yourself up and ask rather than assume you know someone's answer. Even if you should have reason to know the answer, chances are good that you can still learn something helpful by listening to them tell their story. If nothing more. You might win a few points just because you let them speak for themselves. And remember, a true Christ follower won't mind recounting their conversion experience. So the problem of pushing, the problem of assumptions, and this last one is the problem of assigning motives. One reason why we should watch our assumptions is because we must be careful we only judge actions but refrain from judging motives. Be careful assuming you know why someone has done a thing. Never assume you know motives, even if you know facts. We're not God, and only he knows the heart. You may very well be right, but thinking you know you are, you are right and proceeding on what you think you know, it's just flat out wrong. You, sh- you shouldn't do that because you might be wrong. You think you know, but you don't. Seriously, we frequently know, we frequently don't know ourselves and why we are doing a thing as well as God does let alone knowing why someone else has done a thing. Without going into a long teaching here, also remember that the idea that we can't or shouldn't judge another action, is bogus, that's not true, that's just fluffy stuff you hear all around the globe. Um, people say it's in the Bible, but it is not. I think that when Jesus taught not to judge people, it must have been a reference to motives. Uh, there's a, there's a, that's because the Bible is full of, of commands that we judge actions. All right, there's a difference between not judging actions and not condemning motives. Spiritual coach will invariably have to judge the evil or the righteousness of actions of of those they coach per the Bible standard if they're going to be good and true spiritual coaches. But it's equally true that we should never condemn another actions or motives. If God says that he will no longer condemn, who are we to rise up and and do so? Even when calling out sin, Jesus was sure to avoid condemnation. I think one big reason, since he knew people's motives, was because condemnation is Satan's trick. And he just did not want to mimic that. He wanted to stay far away from sounding like Satan and, and, and wounding the way Satan does and attacking the way Satan does. The devil's maneuver is to blame, berate, scold, slander, lambaste, and generally be adversarial. However, there are plenty of places where we're instructed that we should judge others' actions. Indeed, it needs to be done gently and humbly, but done nonetheless. We're told to share others' Sin burdens and not to think we're too important to not help them. And there's some references there. Galatians 6, 1 and following. 2 Timothy 2, 25 and following. James 5, 19 through 20. Doing so may save them. Judging their actions may save them from many troubles, if not captivity to the devil himself. The name Satan means adversary, accuser, or to be accusatory. And John, we have a good summary of his character. He is evil, a murderer who hates the truth, a liar, the father of lies. Look up John 8, 44. This is more, there is more that could be said here about him, but the point is that he is not a nice guy. He's so vile and wicked that he will lie and deceive and murder anyone. If he can't, he'll make them miserable with accusations, doubt, self-hatred, feelings of failure, and being unlovable and worthy of death. Satan would seem to prove the adage that misery loves company. Certainly Jesus wouldn't want to be associated with him and neither should we. Um, Judge actions, never judge motives, and never condemn either. We want the truth to birth birth godly guilt, but not condemnation and destructive shame. Call evil evil, but don't venture into the realm of motives or Satan-like berating. So uh, let's wrap up these two sections that I summarized earlier with nothing less than a summary. Spiritual coaches are professional matchmakers. Doing their best to help people reconnect with their maker in an ever-growing relationship of deep knowing and fuller surrender. We coach them towards victory and away from acceptance of failure and sin management. We call them to fight for freedom and not give in to the prison of defeat to the same sin over and over. We help them find both freedom over sin and maturation in all that is good and right and holy. We help them develop the skills necessary to get out of God's way so He's unrestricted in His daily presence and work through them. We walk them through the inevitable dark days and help them wring the most good out of them as possible. We challenge and encourage them to a bigger faith, to faithful community, and regular coaching. We have accepted the revolutionary call to fight for the hearts of humanity using the Bible as our guide and tools like homework and the treasure of tragedy and the power of loving honesty and patient listening. In all that, we avoid the trinity of dangers that pushing assumptions and assigning motives present to us and them. So, the next time on the Spiritual Coaching Podcast, we'll begin to look at the heart and life of the Spiritual Coach. <music>
0: Thank you. We're honored that you've taken the time to give us a listen as we teach spiritual coaches how to guide Christians into a full and fearless devotion to God. If you'd like to contact Pastor Kara to ask a question, give feedback or sign up for coaching, you have two options. First, you can visit our coaching website by going to tworivers.church/life-coaching. Be sure to hyphenate life-coaching. When there, just click the button in the blue banner on that page, you'll also find free tools to use in your spiritual coaching practice. Additionally, you will find a link to a blog where you can get a transcript of today's show, filled with Bible references and other content not mentioned on the podcast. Second, you can email Pastor Carrie directly at carrie at 2rivers.church. That's Carrie-K-E-R-R-Y at 2 Rivers.church. Rivers if this content was helpful, please jump over to iTunes and SoundCloud. Search for the Spiritual Coaching Podcast and give us a like and share the podcast so that more people like yourself can find us. Again, thank you, and we hope to see you on our next episode of the Spiritual Coaching Podcast.